I'm Erin. And I'm Francesca. And you're listening to The Lady Cave. Where ladies do as they please. And we find out how it's done. And we're back. Back to our happy place. Our haven. Our Lady Cave of Delight. Speaking of delight, I'm still so inspired by Yulia's amazing story. I can't believe she started her own business at 15. 15! Do you know what I was doing when I was 15? Weren't you working at some sort of pizza shack? Maybe, but now is not the time for stories of my pizza shack glory days. But I can tell you, I was definitely not running my own business. In fact, I was probably somewhere smoking what I thought was weed, but turned out to be oregano. It smelled really lovely, and I definitely felt funny, so we can't be sure. Yeah, I was super cool with my sweet soccer mom minivan. Also, Yulia went on to start her own magazine and funding platform. The woman is incredible. Another incredible woman who started her own business is our next guest, the fantastic Kaylin Kaminsky. Just to dip back in Lady Cave history, you might remember Jill Lindsay from season one. Well, each of our ladies nominates a future Lady Cave guest, and Kaylin is Jill's nominee. The story of how they met is adorable and perfectly indicative of the magic that surrounds Kaylin. Jill was on the beach in Nicaragua working on plans to open her store and complimented a fellow beach babe on her shibori sarong. And that beach babe was Kaylin, and she had made that sarong, which was the first product of her shibori apparel and home goods line upstate. And as all good badass lady love stories go, Jill asked if she could carry Kaylin's line in her shop when it opened, and thus a beautiful business partnership and friendship began. It's just so beautiful. Are you going to cry? No, it just makes me so happy. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you the glorious Kaylin Kaminsky. Hello, Kaylin, and welcome to the Lady Cave. We're so happy you've returned from Europe to join us, although we totally would have understood if you had decided to stay. How was it? It was amazing. We were in Sicily for two weeks, me and my boyfriend, and we traveled around, did vintage shopping, went to museums, uh, ate so much good food, drank so Mm. much wine, uh, drove to the beaches around Sicily, went to the ruins. It was incredible. I also think it'd be um, important to announce that Kaylin is here because she was nominated from our first season Lady Cave guest, Jill Lindsay. Not only um, does Kaylin's line upstate retail in Jill Lindsay's store, but also Jill Lindsay, when we had her on, we also talked about Illy. Yeah, we. I feel like it's just been a common theme that we like. We should probably all go to Italy. I think it's a sign. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I want to go once a year. Okay. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> looking at any piece of upstate, we can imagine a young Kaylin staring off into the clouds. Um, what were you like when you were younger, and were you the daydreamer that we envision? Absolutely. I was horse obsessed. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. I was always riding my horse. I had At a young age, I had invisible leprechaun friends <laughs> that I would write letters to. <laughs> And I think my mom would return them to me as the (laughs) leprechauns. And that's how she would get me to clean my room and do chores around the house. I like to say that was when I was six and seven, (laughs) but it could have gone for longer than that. (laughs) Early into your teens. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, loved horseback riding, loved being outdoors, loved always doing creative projects. Yeah, it was great. So other than these leprechauns, which like we all have them, no judgment whatsoever, who were your role models when you were growing up? 
My mom, for sure. Um, she's a really strong woman. She's also an entrepreneur and has two careers, one in real estate and then one in natural medicine. So I always had her to look up to, and she was always taking on more and more projects, and it never felt like it was too much or a burden because she was always enjoying doing it. So, Yeah, so prior to Upstate, you were originally involved in the fashion industry. Um, but what was your path leading from horses to now Upstate of today? So I moved to New York 10 years ago when I was 21 and I really, I was only going to stay here for three months and just sublet a friend's apartment and I got a job nannying for a family and then after the three months ended I decided I wanted to stay for longer and knew that I wanted to do something creative so I started assisting set designers and prop stylists and just really got into that world of working on photo shoots and for editorials and ads and then while doing that since it was freelance I would have downtime and I just loved making things and I lived with a roommate who was a great artist and shaborist and taught me Mm. shibori and so that's where that kind of started. My next question was around when Shibori came into your life, but how did it kind of grab you and then, you know, lead to what is upstate now? It, my friend Astrid and I at the time saw this amazing textile that my roommate had made, and he would do these really intricate pieces of Shibori in his room, and he was kind of an antisocial guy who would lock himself in his room for weeks at a time, but then he would come out with these insane art projects. Uh, so the shibori was one of them and it was the first piece it was the first textile I've ever seen that just really took my breath away and I was so intrigued by and that I wanted to learn to make so we started Astrid and I started she's no longer with Upstate but we we're still friends so (laughs) (laughs) no drama drama. but um, we wanted to make these really great big raw silk shawls and at first we were looking for vintage fabric but then we just decided we would learn shibori and make our own so it started with scarves and then slowly escalated into women's wear and home goods and kind of it has a mind of its own how did you um go about finding retailers and like bringing these pieces that you'd started making to vendors in New York? To begin with, in the very beginning, stores just came to us through, we had a friend do a photo shoot. We didn't even know what a line sheet or a lookbook was. He put some photos online that some blogs picked up and from there stores contacted us. And then we also had a friend, Virginia, who owns a showroom international playground, and she saw them and asked us to make five different styles, and we did. And then within three months, I think we were in 10 different stores. So it really happened fast and out of nowhere. And we were just making them in our bathtub in our apartment. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just shells. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of want to understand, we're getting like the birth story of Upstate, but 
when was the moment where you're like, this is going to be called Upstate and this is what it's going to be about? Because we have this really beautiful vision of you sitting around a campfire, like making s'mores and being like, Upstate, that's what we're going to call it. That's pretty much the right idea. While we were (laughs) making them, we always felt like making things and using our hands was a way to escape everything. For me, every time I sit down and I just start making something or if I'm having a bad day and I paint something or do a dye project, it all goes away. And I feel like upstate still has that connotation to it too, is this idea of escape. So it really has to do with that. A lot of people think that I live upstate and I'm working (laughs) from upstate. So it's a little confusing, but it's more of a state of mind. So just going back briefly to you making scarves in your bathtub and starting to have your line grow and grow. Um, how did you begin to scale the business? Um, not only just the product line, but also getting into more stores and probably hiring on more staff and things like that. For the most part, what was really tricky and took a lot of time to work out was making formulas of everything that we're doing it's like a recipe everything you're making it's like baking a cake but we were making everything up for the most part we were going off of these old techniques that we would learn through watching youtube videos but or out of a book or off the internet but then we would kind of put our own twist on it so it was kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by being like, oh wait, now we have to go back, figure out exactly how we did that so it can be replicated. Mm-hmm. Reverse engineering. Yeah. Um, so we started making scarves, had some interns, and found a factory in the city that started sewing them for us. And I'd say after a year and a half, or two years, we got a studio because it just became too much to have it out of our apartments. And then from there, it kept growing. And we still have across the street at our studio, we have a whole die set up with a big sink, washer, dryer. So we can do a lot of big projects. But for bigger projects now, we'll work with die houses or... We um, we have a production manager in LA who can handle really big projects for us. That does she'll do everything from making the piece, working with the die house, packing it, tagging it, shipping it. But for the most part, with all my smaller boutiques, it's me dyeing everything, wow. and then so cool. assistants will come and help. You know, tag it, pack it, but it all happens in our studio. So do you, like at the beginning of every year, think like, I need to make this amazing poncho and these amazing leggings, or how do you decide what pieces you're going to choose? For each season, usually it starts with a mood, or, and I'll have a muse, or it usually starts off of one thing. Like if I go to an amazing uh, show at a museum and I, I remember the Matisse exhibit a few years ago really inspired. So good. Yeah. It was so amazing in those colors. It was, we only used to use, we used a lot of indigo as you guys know, Mm -hmm. but now we're branching out into a bunch of different colors, but usually it's something really random or just like a weird beaten up piece of furniture on the side of the street that has 
some funny thing hanging off of it that feels inspiring and then it'll kind of go from there. It's never, there's no routine for me when figuring out what's going to inspire the collection. A lot of times though, I know what works for each season. So I'm going to always have a jumpsuit and I'm always going to have, I'm going to have the items that people keep coming back for and just reinvent them a little bit. What I love about your line is that it balances this very traditional ancient Japanese technique with very modern shapes. And do you feel like that kind of represents your personal style? Like how would you describe maybe your personal style and how that's gone into upstate? Upstate pretty much is my style in a nutshell. Everything that I want to make, everything that I want to wear, I make. Upstate, I feel like each piece, since it's this wearable piece of art, whether you have the poncho or the kimono or even a little neck hanky, it's just that extra accoutrement for your Mm -hmm. outfit. So I guess, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm this weird art teacher. Other days, I, I definitely play with pattern a lot. I'm not really a minimalist, so I enjoy mixing different colors and patterns, and I believe in that. Yeah. But I think, like, as, like, a a true New Yorker, as someone who, like, wears all black, like, (laughs) that's the beauty of Upstate, is, like, you can bring it in, and it's, like, there's, like, some sign of life. Yeah. And it's still, like, really natural and, like, feels, it doesn't feel overdone, and it doesn't feel, like, interruptive. It feels really good to be wearing it, like, kind of organic almost, and it, like works perfectly with that so it's minimal at the same time as being like this kind of crazy awesome experiment yeah I have friends who will only wear black and they've come to some of my sales and I'm like let me just put this on and they put it on and they love it so I think it's really for anyone Mm -hmm. a lot of people will be like I'm not into tie-dye I'm not into but you got to give it a shot um so We heard a little bit about the birth of Upstate, but what do you feel like have been some of the greatest lessons that you've learned along the way? And, you know, that sometimes they are delivered in obstacles and sometimes they're delivered in successes, but... So many. I feel like as a small company, things are constantly happening that you have to... If something's working, you go with it. And if something's not working, then you have to stop it immediately or else you know, it's just going to snowball into a huge problem. I mean, one thing is learning to delegate. We, when we first started, it was, we were doing everything from not only dyeing everything, but sewing and packing and shipping and doing, we didn't even want to have interns around because we didn't want them to like learn our secrets, which is so silly I'm realizing now, (laughs) but in the moment in the moment yeah we just were so excited to have it that we wanted to do it all ourselves but we were just drowning so as soon as we started delegating and figuring out realizing that we we don't need to be building the website and we don't need to be you know I mean there are so many elements to the company it's as much as you can delegate do it um well okay what's like a really amazing moment of success though in the midst of all of the craziness of running a business and dyeing clothes in your bathtub and what's a moment where you're like yeah we made it god there were so many a huge moment was figuring out production 
it was such a headache here and I went to LA for a friend's wedding and I was like I'm just gonna bring a suitcase of our samples with me and just try to go meet with some factories out there and I brought a suitcase of samples and just googled factories and walked around in downtown LA all afternoon and all the factories turned me away because they had such huge minimums and then finally I met one woman was like I love what you're doing I'll help you I'll take you in and then introduced me to a production manager and when that happened it was just like this relief that somebody else could do it because for a while we were doing everything ourselves so that was big and then also just you know when you get a big account or you get a really cool project to work on that feels good what's one thing that you've identified as a weakness that you feel like you've overcome I think I used to be really passive and indirect and just think that if something happened that I didn't agree with, it was better to just not say anything. But now I think that you really do. With business, you have to handle things head on. And when something isn't working or you're having issues with your factory or something in production, you have to be really direct about it. Because if you're going to be passive and not say anything then the problem's just going to keep coming up in other places that's in every aspect of life too yeah what's your favorite quality in other women and is there a woman who comes to mind who exemplifies that quality or qualities Mm, my favorite qualities in women are humor honesty and kindness And one woman who really inspires me is my dear friend, Karen Starr. She has been a role model to me pretty much ever since I moved to New York and has taken me under her wing. And she handles everything. She's very, very direct, but very, very kind at the same time. And I think that's really important. It's like the most delicate balance of the two. But it feels so good when like someone gives you everything at once. Yeah. Like, oh, you really about me yeah <laughs> so you're hopefully not doing as many 14 and 16 hour days as you used to but how do you make time to invest in yourself and stay connected and give your creativity a lot of room to grow as well I've started doing these 10 minute meditations every morning by myself before starting the day and I think that's such a good way just to get grounded and not wake up spring out of bed and be stressed with a million things that you have to do so having that 10 minute meditation has been really nice and then also exercising and taking care of myself and then for the meditation do you listen to a guided meditation or do you just no so this sounds kind of cheesy but I got this really amazing citrine rock and citrine's really good for creative entrepreneurs I've been told, and I wear citrine jewelry. I'm obsessed Mm, with it. Awesome. Um, But I just sit with this rock and I just breathe. Yeah. And let thoughts like come in, but then send them out. So, So, um, what is in state for Upstate in the coming years? You're you're saying you don't participate in Fashion Week. Um, I don't know if you miss Colorado or life there. You'd ever want to relocate, but beyond just you know product vision like is it going to stay in New York are you going to stay in New York I see myself in New York for quite a while I think I 
don't necessarily see myself following the fashion calendar, which you're supposed to follow the these calendar dates of when you have to have a collection due and go to trade shows. And I don't really think that that's Upstate's path or my path, but I would like to get into every season just having a really cool project. Like maybe one season I just focus on jumpsuits and one Mm. season I make really cool couches and floor cushions. And I think with prop styling and set design, I somehow see those two merging. I'm not quite sure how it's going to happen yet, but that's where I see it going. I feel great about it. Cool. <laughs> and then this is the most important question of the whole show. What do the words Lady Cave mean to you? Cool ass ladies. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. That was our interview with the lovely Kaylin Kaminsky, who is the amazing founder of Upstate, as you may have heard. And I just need to say, Erin, you look phenomenal in your tie-dye. Is that velvet bell bottoms? They are. And I was just going to comment on your shibori quilted poncho. You look just like a dreamy little cloud. It's reversible. And if you want to find your own Upstate, Francesca, where can they find their own Upstate? You can go to her website, which is yourupstate.com. And you can find us, The Lady Cave Podcast, on Medium and Twitter, at The Lady Cave Podcast. So we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts, hear about awesome ladies you know, discuss everything, really. Go forth and wear awesome Shibori clothing and feel great about life. See you next week. Bye!